Good morning, everybody. I'm Tara, as Shireen already said. I will be reading from James chapter 3, verse 13 to 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly and spiritual and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Good morning. Thank you, Tara. My name's Anthony, as you've heard. I'm from the beautiful city of Durbanville, where we make fairly good wine, and then you guys drink it. Um, I feel really far from you, so I'm going to come to the max here. Yeah. Uh, yes, so I'm married to my beautiful wife, Chantal, that's my daughter Tegan, and then I've got some friends that uh, Craig and Heather and their family, um, they said they were going to come join me to support me, but I think it might just be a case of keeping an eye on me, so I don't know which ones will wait. Um, but yeah, I've got the privilege of sharing with you this morning, you're in the series of James, so are we, and uh, I don't know about you, but um, we're halfway through it, over halfway through it, and uh, it's been quite a challenging series. I don't know about you. Um, there's been a, quite a few tough moments where James is talking to us as a church, and uh, James is writing to a church, um, a church of believers. He's writing to Christians, and the letter, as we've seen so far, is, is quite, um, uh, as a lot of commentators say, there's not a lot of uh, mentioning of Jesus and the cross in it. But um, he's writing to churches, um, assuming that that is common knowledge to them. And he's writing to them from a different angle. And he's writing under this banner of being a brother in Christ, a leader over those churches. And uh, he's writing to them under that banner saying, guys, um, we, we really need to have a look at a few things. Uh, because uh, there's... Uh, He's, he mentions things like love and grace and peace. He's reminding the believers who are, yes, they're under pressure. Anybody familiar with that concept nowadays, under pressure? Um, they're being persecuted, and they're not in the perfect place. But he's still writing to them saying, guys, there's some stuff going on in the church. And I think that's what's challenging to me uh, uh, from James, is that he's not writing out of theory. He's writing to churches that are struggling with some stuff. He's writing to them, and he's basically saying, guys, what Jesus displayed to us and some of the things that are happening, they don't match. They just don't connect as well as we think they are. What Jesus displayed to us, how he lived, how he walked out uh, being the son of God and what we are following after, some of the things we're doing, they just don't match up. And I've, I'm sure you've experienced so far that a lot of his stuff is quite um, imperative, which means, let's use the word practical. It's like actually A and B need to happen. And so he's going to carry on that. And uh, 
Often when it comes to that kind of thing in 2022, in the last five years, uh, we kind of struggle with that because then terms like legalism or works comes up. And James is kind of saying, no, 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 that's not what this is about. This is about you and I. If we're going to say we're Christ followers and we're looking at Christ's life and we look at the example he's, he's set us, some of the things that are happening in the church don't match up. They just don't have a place. And so James is a practical letter, and, um, and so we're going to see again in this section of Scripture, in James 3, 13 to 18, he's going to go heavily into this thing of wisdom. What is that about? And why it should be something you and I seek after. And so to avoid James sounding very overly legalist or um, imperatives like just do A and B, for myself, and I hope to encourage you this morning, a good thing to do is read the whole book of James in one go. It'll probably take you 15 minutes. I hope you've been doing that, and it helps to do that regularly as we go through this. Because if you don't, then it can sound very legalistic, like just action, and that's not what James is after. And before I start on this thing of wisdom, because I could be up here for two hours and still not cover this thing of wisdom, and the whole book of James, I think to look through what we're about to talk about through two lenses or filters before we get it, so you, you don't get tripped up at the end of feeling um, not very life-giving, is to look at two things about the character of God while you process the book of James. Number one, two quick things, I'll get through this as quick as possible, and that is God is for God. Now, I know that hurts you, it hurts me. It really does hurt us in this day and age when something as simple as that saying God is for God. And what do I mean by that? You see, our hearts, my heart, your heart, we do really want to be the point of it all. Don't shake your head at me and say no, but who doesn't want to be this, the point of it? Who doesn't want to be arrive at home after my hard day at work and my wife is dressed and ready and a meal on the table and she's got rid of the kids, not permanently, just temporarily. There's a nice drink for me and dinner's ready. You know, who, who doesn't? Our minds go there. We, we very easily sway towards us being the point of it all. It's about me. It's my roads. And it's really just full of a bunch of idiots around me. It's my job. It's my money. It's my this. And the culture around us is telling us, that all the time. Live your best life now. Make sure your happiness, your truth. And so it's all around us. And James is going to remind us that, no, the whole of Scripture kind of reminds us of that, that God is for God's glory and God's fame. And so even when Scripture tells us in James that your and my reaction is, okay, um, if there is this almighty God, because I'm as close to that as I think I should be, then surely this God is uh, going to make me happy. It's about my happiness. And then if he is yeah and involved in my life, he will ensure my happiness. Because if I'm happy, then he's going to look good. And that's often how we go through our walk of faith or engage God, is that he's there to ensure my personal 
happiness. And we all know that happiness is fleeting. And so the Bible is, no, the word of God paints a picture of a God who loves us, saves us, rescues us, yes, but he is a God who's for his glory, not mine. And so he sets the world in motion, not just for me. And sometimes that hurts me, and I'm sure it hurts you. There are hundreds of verses that will help us understand that. (laughs) I had to laugh if you don't think God is in control of his church. I've come to your church for the first time in three years. I walk into your prayer meeting, and I'm sorry I didn't get the gentleman um, leading the prayer meeting, goes to Psalm 23. And the first thing I use to reference this is Psalm 23. And you brought up similar to what I've got. Psalm 23, who doesn't love it? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Woo! Anthony, that's me. I'm winning. Look at this. I shall not want for anything. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Who doesn't want that? And it looks great, guys. He leads me beside slow waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. But then it comes. Next part of the scripture. You can show the next slide in red there. For what? For his name's sake. For his name's sake. Even though, and it goes on to say, there will be times when happiness isn't there. You are going to be engaged in life in things that are not pure happiness. And so, God is for God. But that's not bad news. That's probably the best news you and I could actually have this morning. Because if it's not about Anthony, and I'm not the, the person that holds us all together, that's really good news. Because if it is about me, there's a lot, a lot of, what's the word, expectations. Sure. If it's about me and from me, then I'm not free to really love my wife and children like I should be, or love my church like I should be, or get stuck in and love my small group like I should be, because it's all about me. And that's quite anxiety-inducing and quite miserable, to be honest. And so this is the best news possible when we really understand that God is for God's glory. And so when I get this, I'm actually, I'm able to live a free life, a much freer life, feeling it's not about Anthony. I don't have to have the answers. It actually allows me to take a breath and understand my place in this world, going God is for God, and if I'm his, then I'm really, really safe right now. I'm able to love my wife the way I can love her and should love her, my children, how I can and should love his church and the community I've been put in because I'm not the center of attention. And when I have that, as we read James, the main point I want to make is that it can lead to delightful obedience. None of this just feels like legalism. It feels like delightful obedience. And so really quickly, the next one is God is for God, and that helps us to process James and wisdom this morning. And secondly, much quicker, God has designed the world to work in his way, not mine. The other big hurtful thing for me to hear. Because who doesn't want the world to work the way you want it to? Because it's really frustrating when the people don't drive the way they should drive on the road. People don't behave the way they should. And they don't do things the way Anthony needs them to do it. And so, as my wife once said to me, the, wife would, the world would be a much better place if people weren't in it for her. And that's what happens. I'm not... And so, Proverbs 8 
We're going to go into wisdom now. And how vital is important wisdom in your life this morning? Go to Proverbs 8. It's on the screen. I'm not going to read it all. Sorry, my notes are at the back here. Yeah. We're going to go learn about wisdom. Why wisdom? Why is it a big deal for you and I to live with wisdom? Because that's part of God's design. And wisdom's been around way longer than you and I. God's wisdom. Proverbs 8, the Lord possessed me. This is talk, this is wisdom. At the beginning of his works, the first of his acts of old, ages ago I was set up. When there was no depths, I brought forth. When there was no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. When he established the heavens, I was there. I'm just jumping on. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned the sea to its limits, wisdom was there. And now verse 23, and now sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instructions and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me, life Whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. And all who hate me love death. That's why James is making a big deal of wisdom this morning. God has designed this world to operate in a way with godly wisdom. And we do well to long for it and chase after it and make it a priority in our lives. And so... Those two points that I've raised, God is for God and he's designed the world. Let's go into James 13, quick, I mean James 3, verse 13. Tara's read it for us. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but James jumps straight in. And typical James, he sets up a little bit of a trap or just an ego check for you. I mean, he says, right, who's wise among you? You can put your hand up if that's you in the crowd. He goes like, okay, who's wise? Who's wise? He's waiting for some hands. Somebody obviously puts up their hands. He says, by his good conduct. James has been that the whole time now. Like, actually, what we, represent, what we live out in lives and in, in what people see of us is a big deal. It actually means something. We can't say one thing and do another thing. He says, who, by his conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have better jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. He kicks off by saying, if you're wise, your life needs to display it. That's James, the whole book so far. He goes into what is false wisdom, the kind of wisdom that trips you up and me up all the time, earthly wisdom. James says, church, this false wisdom is earthly. It's only about the year and now. My money, my time, my way. My interpretation of the rules, what's going to make me happy, supersedes anything else, anybody else in the room. How it affects them or how it makes them feel. It's about, it's about me. Morals, I'll decide. It's rooted in this mindset of God is for me. This whole thing, I'm the point, And I get to get what I want to get now. My life, my ways. We reject God's way. How he's designed it. The results. What are the results? He goes on to say the results are bitter envy, 
or jealousy and selfish ambition. To help you understand what he's saying here, selfish ambition, that word, Paul uses it a couple times in the New Testament, but actually it was used by Aristotle and it was only used in a certain context. I think all of us in the room are going to understand a bit more. It was actually used to describe the political system or politicians. It was used to describe how a person uses the political system to gain their own reward or to get what they want to get. Sound familiar? Selfish ambition. Doesn't matter what it costs everybody else, as long as I am on the top of the pile of money or power at the end of the day. That's what James says. When we chase after earthly wisdom and we make ourselves the point of it all, the result is bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, where it's about Anthony. My marriage is about Anthony. Parenting is about Anthony. Church is about Anthony. Small group is about Anthony. Selfish ambition. Now, up until this point, I'm with you. You're like, yeah, you know, people really get that. Remember who James is writing to, guys. It's not writing about the heathen down the road. It's writing to a church. Saying, guys, this is going on. Next week, you're going to see what he's talking about. He's writing to Christians in a church saying, we are susceptible to this. We are susceptible to bitter jealousy, envy, and selfish ambition. And what happens is, I'm gonna keep this in-house, in church. We do have people, ourselves, you, me, people rising up in boasting, boasting about their money, boasting about education, their position, their heritage, whatever it is. This is me, Anthony, this is what I'm about. We start talking about how the way we think God should be designing the world, or better still, how God or how a church should be running, or how small group should be going, or how community should look after my needs. And so that's what starts happening, and can happen, and does happen. And so false wisdom brings these vile things that James is talking about. Out of earthly desires, when Anthony thinks he is the point of it all and that God should be running the way, Anthony should run it. When we reject, this, when we reject earth, uh, heavenly wisdom, we get earthly wisdom. And how do you spot it? If you're thinking you're good up until now, how do you spot earthly wisdom? Well, there's no room for difficulty or problems in that world. When real life hits you, you're hitting a wobble. Because you live by the thing of God wants me to be happy. And what happens if I ask this room, I'm pretty sure a whole lot of hands are going to up, is like, what happens when real life hits? Anybody experienced real life? Sickness, hurt, grief, those things? And so we struggle. You see, when we chase after this fleeting thing called happiness, we do struggle. When I think it's about me, I do struggle when it doesn't go right. And life does get real sometimes. And so we see that James is saying, 
this earthly wisdom is something that is not of him. It's from our desires to have it all my way and for me. And you can spot this. He has a good way of spotting this if this is something in your heart. You can spot this in your, in your life quite easily when if you take a step back and you realize that the God or your God loves the same things you love at the same time you love them, hates the same things when you hate them, or the same people or the same circumstances, and he just seems to be really in sync with your desires. Because, I mean, it's about you. And if that is a, a, something that stings, then I pray that the Holy Spirit will talk to you this morning. Because I don't think you and I, as, as human beings, can be that arrogant enough to assume that the sovereign God of the universe is not going to tr- contradict me now and again and ask me something that might be hard for me. I don't think we can be that arrogant. And James goes on to say that's false wisdom, guys. It's earthly wisdom. It's unspiritual, knows nothing of the governance of God, and he ends up by saying it's demonic. It goes back all the way to Eve, where as we lie to ourselves, we allow the devil to lie to us for that desire, that the same desire that Eve had is like, I want to be like God. And that's what trips us up. False wisdom is centered on me. And it's unspiritual. And as James says, it's demonic. He then goes on to go, true wisdom. He contrasts that with true wisdom. True wisdom is from above. It has eternity in mind. It's the wisdom from God the way he designed it. It has a lifestyle of one day, I and you, will give an account for how I did this thing called life, how I did this thing called marriage or parenting, or how I treated his bride. And so the minute you bend your knee to Christ and acknowledge that he is your savior, the beautiful thing about it, that song, we, the worship that we did this morning, is that God is a gracious God. He saves us, yes. He pulls us out of sin and eternal damnation, as the old school preachers would have said. He takes us out of that, yes. But then he also says, hey, I'm not going to leave you there where you are, where Anthony was at, at that moment. He says, I'm going to give you the, an indwelling of my Holy Spirit, my wisdom, that allows Anthony to move further and further down the line away from living a life of earthly wisdom where Anthony thinks it's just about him. And he enables us to live out this heavenly wisdom, wisdom from above. And how do we grow in, earth, in heavenly wisdom? What would we grow in if we chased after this heavenly wisdom? Well, it says there, wisdom from above is pure, peaceable, Gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial, and the one at the end, sincere. Those words don't actually resonate with what we hear out in the world. And again, I want to remind us, James is writing to church, churches with believers and saying, guys, earthly wisdom inside the church looks like this. It's pure. There's mercy. 
There's good fruits. We're impartial. We're open to reason. We're able to engage each other and not say it has to be my way. We're peaceable. And so he goes on, and the last one, we're sincere, i.e. we're not hypocrites. I grow in my ability to come in towards my community, into God's church, into my community, into my small group, and actually get slowly but surely there where I'm going, you know that overused church phrase, doing life together? But we actually move towards where we're sincere with each other. And we're able to say, actually, this Sunday is not a great Sunday for me. I'm walking through these doors limping. But because of heavenly wisdom, I know my brothers and sisters have my back. So I'm probably not gonna be able to worship very well this morning. Maybe not sing a single word, but I know God's put me here and I know these people have my best, um, uh, I've forgotten the word, what to use there, but you know what I mean. That my brothers and sisters have my back. And so, how do we grow? I'm gonna come in for a close. Three quick points. How do we grow in this heavenly wisdom? If it's not that evident in your life today, if it's something that you've been tussling with as we've gone through James, and maybe even earthly wisdom right now represents, if not your whole life, but some of your life, that you're actually struggling with this thing of chasing heavenly wisdom. How do we grow in this? Where do we start? Other than coming to Sunday and singing a few songs and we walk out of here. What do you and I do to change the direction of that ship? Three quick things. Number one, I'd really encourage you and myself to knowing the God of the Bible, to really desire it, chase after it, make it something important in your life. Put it in the center of your life. And I don't mean head knowledge. I mean getting to know the character of God, getting to understand him, if that takes reading. I'm not even gonna use that, that, that word, QT, you know, quiet time, because for how many years have we, it must look like this or it does, I, I'm not even gonna go there. Whatever works for you, but getting to know the God of the Bible. Find a resource if that's the way. Listen to whatever you have to weigh, but make it a priority of getting into the word of God so you, for yourself, can know the character, the loving, gracious, mercy, saving grace of the God of the Bible. Get to know the God of the Bible. 2 Timothy, all scripture is good for us. And please don't hear me saying just theological knowledge, heart, getting to know who God is, his character, how much he loves you. Secondly, that leads on to the next thing of that it's an invitation to joy. As you get to know the God of the Bible for yourself, you change from chasing a life of happiness, which is fleeting. Your happiness, can div- your happiness can be as fleeting as you've got your cup of coffee in the morning, you get in your car, and you're on the road for five minutes, and happiness is gone. That's up. But this is an invitation to joy. Knowing the God of the Bible, chasing after Heavenly wisdom leads to a life of joy, which is way more potent than happiness. Because joy gets you through when real life hits. When sickness, grief, and all those things that a whole lot of us in this room know about, it's not a happiness you want then. 
You need joy to get you through those things. That's why we do church. That's why we do preaching on a Sunday, why we don't do just topical life, life improvement. We, we read from the Word of God and we go through the Word of God. That's why we do small groups and why we're so adamant that you need a small group in your life. If you're not in one right now, get to one. You, have, you need it. That's why, like our church, I'm sure your church, you offer other courses or times of getting to, to know each other or knowing the word of God better. Get around people, men and women, who are serious about living the way God intended. Because they encourage us. They grow us. They guide us. And it's not always easy. If you've been in a small group or in a church for more than one week, you realize like not everybody thinks the way I do. And that's problematic. And some of them are just downright weird. And that's super problematic. Some of them are grumpy. Some of them are weird. They don't, some of them don't even eat meat. So you have the word of God. You have community. You have God's church that he puts you in, that allows you to grow in this heavenly wisdom. He puts you around in a group where he surrounds you with people different to you. Why? Because you've got blind spots. Why are they blind? Because you can't see them. And he wants you to grow. And he wants you not to stay in the same place that you are. He wants you to progress down the road of sanctification. And then lastly, Hebrews 13, 17. Third way to grow in true wisdom is obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping a watch over your souls as those who will give an account, let them do this joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. As believers, we see the obey and submit, and we freak out. Come on. Go out into the roads and offer that to somebody, not just yourself. And people are like, what do you mean I need to obey or submit? That is ludicrous. And again, James, James Romani is, this is part of our lives as Christians. Joyful obedience to God. And one of his ways he helps us develop in leadership is he put us in a church with leaders. For me as a leader in, in Durbanville, the obey or submit is hard, I'll be, be honest, but it's the next line. Obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping a watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Now that keeps me up at night as a leader. There might be some leaders in this room. That's a big deal there. But I think we struggle with the first part of human beings. And heavenly wisdom comes from us understanding that a church does have uh, people that are further down the line that are able to help us grow in heavenly wisdom. So I don't know, I don't know much of you in this church, but I encourage you. If this is new church to you, and I know the people, uh, I know Roger well, he went to my school, so he must be decent. No, I'm joking. He's probably sitting in Durban right now in Westville with some sun on his back. But be a, be a part of a church where you can see the leaders are living this and they're ready to sacrifice their lives for God's church as they help you grow.
And not just the main leader, there are other leaders in this church. And so as I close, I'm going to ask the band to come up, and we're going to go into a time of singing. James is saying to us this morning, guys, for you and I that call ourselves believers, Christ followers, Christ has shown us a way to live, a wise way to live, the way God designed it for us. But the reality is sometimes you and I get tripped up by this thing called earthly wisdom. Or we try to put ourselves in the center of it all. And James has remind us, reminded us this morning that there's a way to live. We are blessed with wisdom. Wisdom that leads to life. Wisdom that leads to knowing God. Wisdom that leads to you and I being able to become more Christ-like. But there's also a way to live where we live for ourselves. And it leads to hurt and death. But the encouragement is, James has reminded us that regardless of how you walked in this morning, limping in, skipping in, full of strength and encouragement and hope, limping in with actually just anxiety, if not depression, and just worried. The beautiful thing is that God doesn't have a prerequisite for you and I getting that heavenly wisdom. All it takes is you and I acknowledging who he is, that he is the God of the universe. He is in control. He is sovereign. He has designed this world to operate over. And it leads you and I to being able to breathe and live with hope and courage because it's not all on me. God has this in his hands. And so as I close in prayer, and the team's going to lead us in a song, I assume, I'm going to pray for all of us that we'd be a church that chases after heavenly wisdom. I'm going to ask us to stand. Father God, I pray for every single one of us this morning. You know where we're at as individuals. You know where we're at as a church. There's not much that we can hide from you, God. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would meet every single person where they're at, as I know you do and you have for, 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 for thousands of years, God. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would open hearts this morning, you would open minds, you would open um, just lives up to receive your goodness, God. To receive your help for us to turn away from earthly wisdom where we've tried to put ourselves on the throne. I've tried to put myself on the throne, God. Holy Spirit, remind us that as we step off, that's not scary, that's not giving up, that's allowing God to sit back on the throne of my life. And that is a beautiful place to be because it, it brings peace, it brings joy that I'll never be able to conjure up in my own ability. And so your heavenly wisdom is a beautiful thing to chase after, God, because it leads to life and life in abundance. So I pray for us this morning that we, this church, Tableview, Bloberg, would be known as a church full of wise, heavenly wise people, people that long for doing things God's way because it will bring glory and fame to the living Christ, the God that defeated death, that sits on his throne in heaven and has all of this in his hands, that this would be a group of people that take serious the call to 
represent His bride, His church in this area. That we be filled with wise people, sincere people. In your name, amen.